everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Hark, where we were sort of inspired this, this series, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing, was originally written, Hark, the uh, Welkin, Welkin Ring, Glory to the King of Kings. Hark, the Welkin Rings, Glory to the King of Kings. That's the way that it was originally written by John and Charles Wesley. But then their friend came along and rewrote it to say, Hark, the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn king, and last week, if you were listening or watching or here with us, we don't know if John Wesley was super pumped about the fact that his buddy John Whitefield changed the lyrics of the song because of what John Wesley wrote about people that are changing his his song lyrics. And so I even did a little bit of an adjustment in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and so I don't know how pumped John Whitefield is with me for changing some of the lyrics of this song, but nothing really needs to be changed at this point. It's a great Christmas song that we sing. And so last week, if you're watching or listening or tuning in at some point, we looked at stanza one of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. This week, we're going to look at stanza two, and I just want to kind of let us let you know kind of where we're at, where we're going. Christ by the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, laid in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Please as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you so much for the opportunity that uh, you give us to be able to pay attention, to listen, uh, to hearken to your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you use it in a, in a mighty way. God, that you use it into um, changing and transforming um, our hearts and our lives uh, to, to want to be uh, just greater, uh, more dedicated, devoted followers uh, of your son, Jesus, uh, who, who came to this earth uh, to, so that he can be the, 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 the substitute for us, uh, for our sin, for our shame, for our brokenness, um, and so that we can, by faith, not by works, but by faith, uh, we can know what it means to have uh, eternal life. And Lord, we're so grateful uh, that you, by your grace and your love and your kindness, that you sent your son, Jesus, to do that uh, for all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And so the first part of the song, as we looked at just a minute ago, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. And so we're going to take this, um, this whole second stanza, and we're going to kind of break it down into just one, one verse, okay? And Because and really, I just I want us to just pay attention and, and listen to and come around this um, important, these important ideas of who Jesus needs to be for all of us and why that's important. So this verse is, is found in Revelation 1.8. It says that I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. So first thing I want us to look at is who is Jesus, okay? Who is Jesus? Who is, who was, and who is to come? Who is Jesus? Well, to answer that according to 
uh, John and Charles Wesley. He's the everlasting Lord. According to the scripture, who is Jesus? He's the everlasting Lord. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. He is the first and he is the last. He, he has always, always, always been. He is from everlasting to everlasting. There was no beginning for him and there is no end for him. For all of us, there's a beginning. For all of us, there's an end, but not for Jesus. He is the everlasting Lord. It is so important that we know who he is. As a matter of fact, Micah, a prophet, wrote about uh, the coming of the Christ, and, 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 and we, we look at this around this time of year. But as for you, Bethlehem, Epathra, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will come forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth are from long ago. And look what it says, from the days of eternity, thousands of years before Jesus came in and was born in a little town of Bethlehem, a prophet by the name of Micah said that he is going to be come forth. You, you're too little, the little town of Bethlehem, right? Too little to be even named among the clans of Judah. And from you, one will come forth and he will be ruler. And where he comes from, where he comes from is from the days of eternity. You see, for Christmas, for us in Christmas, Christmas is not a beginning, but a becoming. It's not a beginning. It's not when, you know, God Almighty was born and began and started. No, he's the alpha. Greek letter alpha, A, alpha is beginning, first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, last letter of the Greek alphabet. This, that, he's from the beginning to the end, and he isn't beginning anywhere. He was becoming. He was not created. He came. He was not created. He came. Now, if somebody can understand the, the perspective of um, at least this life, but also to, to have a life that's maybe a little bit longer than the life that we normally live, is a guy by the name of Moses. Moses lived to be 120 years old, okay? 120 years old. Can you imagine living to 120 years old? Oh, my goodness, right? Right? That's a lot of loss. That's a lot of people coming and going in your life, and you're probably left alone, you know, in the, these days. It, it, 120 years old. So Moses wrote this psalm to sort of give us a perspective on how our limitations are in this life, but that God's are not. That God is not confined to time and space like, like we are. He's the alpha, he's the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the first and he's the last. He didn't begin, he became into us. He was not created, he came to us. So here's what Moses wrote in Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Lord, you are our refuge. Lord, you are our hiding place in all generations. Then he goes on to say this in verse two. Before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So he's Moses is just trying to give us a perspective, right? He's trying to give us a perspective of, of, how, of how, you know, God is um, in, in compared to how we are, what we can understand. And, and then he says this in verse 4. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday. 
For a thousand years in your sight, like a thousand years to God is like a day. A thousand years to God, it was like what you did yesterday. If you can remember what you did yesterday, that was a span in the, in the, in the, in the thinking and the economy of God. That was a thousand years when it passes by. Or a watch in the night. You see, when, when guards would, would, would guard over, over cities, they would, they would have a, a watch. They would be on guard or watch um, on the, uh, you know, the city wall. And they would be in rotations every four hours, every four to six hours they would be in rotation. And, and what Moses is saying is like, God, the way that your time frame works is, is you're like a thousand years was like yesterday. You were like a watch in the night as it passes by. And then Moses goes on to say this. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, or modern medicine, 90 years. Or, but you never get to 120 like Moses did, right? Yet their pride is only trouble and tragedy. So here's what Moses knows about life, just like you know. That life, the, 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 the main years of our life or the highlights of our life, when we think about our life, okay, and, and, and you, maybe you're broaching closer to 70 or, or 80 years old and you, you get this more than anyone, our pride is but trouble and tragedy. Like the, the, the things that, that we remember the most or the things that get the most, you know, space in our hearts and our minds are the, are the troubles and the tragedies that we face. Isn't this true? I mean, come on. I mean, have we not lived this life long enough to know, yeah, is there good things about life? Absolutely. Is there things to celebrate in life? For sure. Is there things that we get excited about? No doubt. But when it comes to this life, Moses is saying, listen, here's what you already know. It is your pride is only trouble and tragedy. Can we just, just as so we're staying engaged, anybody feel trouble oftentimes in this life? Anybody feel tragedy oftentimes in this life? Yes. This is what Moses is saying. He's like, our life is like, you know, you, whether you get 70 years or whether you get 80 years, it's, it's trouble and it's tragedy. And then he says this, what you already know. For quick, if you can go back, sorry. For it quickly passes and we disappear. Or if you read this in the King James or you know this hymn, and we fly away, right? And we fly away. For quickly it passes and we fly away or we disappear. Here's what you already know about this life. It's fast. It's quick. You're like, man, 70, I mean, maybe you're like young in here and you're like, man, 70 years seems like a long ways away. It's gonna be like that. It's going to be like that. Any 70-year-olds go, yeah, I remember. Any 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. And you're like, oh, don't, don't call me out. Don't call me out on my age. Yeah, it's fast. And I know, I know, man, you're 70, 80 years old, and you're going, man, I, just, I remember when I was 20, 30, 40. It was like, it was like that. Quickly passes away. But God, but God, He's from everlasting to everlasting. You see, you and I have a beginning and you and I have an end. And that time is 
get a flyby. It's going to fly by. And you already know that it has flown by. And you know that even within this time that we've had in this life, man, it's brought about a lot of hurt and a lot of trouble and a lot of pain and a lot of tragedy. And yeah, there's good days and there's times that we celebrate and we laugh and we cherish those moments in this life. But here's what you know. And here's what Moses reminded us of. It quickly passes. And we disappear. But Jesus, he's from everlasting to everlasting. There was no beginning with him. He just became. He was not created. He came to us. He came from the days of eternity. This is how we need to see Jesus in that way. So Moses gave us some great advice. Here's some great advice for all of us. Look what he says in verse 12. So teach us to number our days. So teach us to number our days so that we may present to you when our time is up here, when our time is finished here, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Moses is going, guys, listen, listen. You know what it's like. You know when you are looking forward to something. You know when you're looking forward to that, that, that day that's coming. Or maybe, you know, for, for your kids, they're, they're looking forward to Christmas morning. You know, that your grandkids are looking forward to Christmas morning. What are they doing? They're numbering the days, right? You have your advent calendar at home, right? You got your, you know, your, we have a, a bunch of different advent things going on. We have, we have two, we're so spiritual in our house. We are so spiritual. We have, we have three advent calendars happening in our house. Three different advent calendars happening in our house. One is the office television show theme. And then we have two, why? Because my kids would just argue over who gets to open. Two Avenger, Lego Avenger, Marvel advent calendars. Not one, but two of the same advent calendars of Avengers, Marvel, superhero movie, Lego. I know, we're so godly. I know, I know. You have the ones where you open it up and you read the, you know, the scripture of the day, you know, and then you pray over it. You guys are so spiritual. Man, I think, you know, you guys bless my heart. My, my house, we're, we're office and Avengers. That's what we do in, in my house. Now, li, li, listen, this is how it works. We, what are we doing? We're, they're numbering the days. They're numbering the days. What ought, what ought we to do? What ought we to do? We need to live as if our days are numbered, right? We need to live as if our days are numbered because they are. They are. And if we live as if our days are numbered, if we remember to live as if our days are numbered, you know what we'll do? We'll have some wisdom in this life. And you know what we'll present? If we live as if our days are numbered, you know what we'll, we'll present to God? A heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom. He is the everlasting Lord. 
you and me are not. I'll give you a moment to write that down. He is the everlasting Lord. He, there was no beginning. There was no end. As a matter of fact, he was there in the beginning, and he'll be there in the end. But you are not, and I am not, but he is. So we live our short life. Moses is going, you live your short life for the one who is from everlasting to everlasting. I've said this a thousand times. He's worth worshiping, you're not. He's everlasting, he's eternal, you're not. Why worship something that doesn't last? We live in a life where there's a beginning of things and there's an end of things, but we can be in relationship with one who has no beginning and has no end. I often share this poem at funerals. It's called The Dash. I'm not going to read it to you, or, but it's just the reminder. You know, when you, if you walk through a cemetery and you see the date of their birth, and then you see the date of their death, and you see that little dash between those years, that dash is a perfect picture and a perfect representation of our short life our quick life. And if he is, <clears throat> he is, and maybe you can't see this, from the time he is, from the time he was, was short. Even though from the time he is, from the time that he started creation, he, he brought the mountains according to the way that Moses wrote it. He, he brought, he birth the earth, right? He, from the time of he is to he was and he is to come is, is short. It's just a dash from the time he is to the time he was and the time he is to come. It's just a dash. As a matter of fact, John and Charles Wesley wrote it this way. Late in time, Late in time, behold him come, offsprings to the virgin's womb. In other words, he's going, listen, it's like late in time that he came. Late in time. And so here's the picture. Here's the picture. From 2,000 years before Jesus came in Bethlehem, born in a, in a, in a cave, placed in a manger, thousands of years prior to that, God came and started to establish a covenant. And the first covenant that he established was the covenant of Abraham, Abrahamic covenant. That here's the covenant that he, he gave to Abraham thousands of years before Jesus came. Through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That through your seed, Abraham, all the nations of this world will be blessed. In other words, through your offspring, Abraham, every single nation Every single tribe, every single tongue, every single people will be blessed through your seed. What was God you know, projecting? He was projecting that Jesus was going to come through Abraham's seed. And then God established, after Abraham, God also established a covenant with Moses, Mosaic covenant, which is a conditional covenant of works, a conditional covenant of works, which here's what 
they knew. Here's what they knew. That this was impossible. This was impossible to do. That God established the Ten Commandments. You know, God established the, the laws and the regulations. That God established those things. Why? So that people can know that they couldn't meet God's standards. They couldn't meet God's standards. For all have sinned and fallen short of God. This, this, is the, this is the Mosaic covenant that God says. So God says, listen, Abraham, through your seed, and it's an amazing story that God built this great nation, through your, through your, your seed, all the you know, nations of the earth will be blessed. Through the Mosaic covenant, it's a conditional covenant of works. In other words, you, know, you do what you're supposed to do and God will honor you. If you don't do what you're supposed to do, God will, won't bless your life. It was based on conditions. This was the old covenant. This is the Old Testament that you read. It was for a nation, not every nation. It was for one nation, God's nation, the nation of Israel, that they had a conditional covenant based on works. And then God came along and established a covenant with David, a covenant with David. This was an unconditional, eternal kingdom that God, that God says, listen, what I'm going to do is that on your throne, David, I'm going to establish my promises with you and that your throne will be an eternal throne, that your kingdom will be forever, for eternity, for everlasting to everlasting, that your kingdom, your David, your covenant will be established. This was a thousands of year period. This was over 2,000 of years of God coming to these guys, Abraham, Moses, David, and saying, listen, I'm going to establish this covenant. This was thousands of years. And then before they knew it, Jesus came and fulfilled this. Jesus showed up as a baby in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem and fulfilled this covenant. And here's the way that Paul wrote it in Galatians 4. He says, but when the fullness of time came, after God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make a covenant. After God came to Moses, I'm going to make a covenant. After God came to David and says, I'm going to make a covenant. When the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So that, verse 5, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. This is now a new covenant. Now, what we are in now is called the Jesus covenant or the new covenant. So we're not in the, you know, Abrahamic covenant. Covenant. We're not in the Mosaic covenant. We're not in the Davidic covenant. We're now in the Jesus covenant and the Jesus covenant that what he came why he came on Christmas morning is so that he can show us, you and I, unconditional grace based on the finished redemption work of Christ so that you and I can be called sons and daughters of God, right? Isn't that amazing? It's not conditional based on what you do or you don't do, right? It is based on unconditional kindness and grace and mercy shown to us Based on what Jesus did on a cross, this is our covenant. Covenant, And because of that, the Abrahamic covenant was fulfilled. Why? Because all the nations, not just one nation in the Mosaic covenant, but all the nations of the earth 
will be blessed. Is anybody in the room blessed by the fact that we are in this Jesus covenant? Let's just be a church that says yes. Let's just be that church. Let's just do that. It's, it's okay. Like It helps me when you get excited too about what, like, it helps me. Okay. We are in that. He is, who is Jesus? He's, he's everlasting Lord. Who is Jesus? He's the incarnate deity. He's the incarnate deity. He is. He was the incarnate deity. deity. Just like the song says, the hymn says, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. John wrote it this way. He said it this way. John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And look what he says in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God left heaven, left eternity, came, put on flesh, and he moved into your neighborhood. This is what that means, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, he moved into, he, he, the, the, the translation is that he pitched a tent among you. He moved, imagine, imagine that. Imagine that there is a house for sale next door to you and God incarnate moved in. Well, that would change some things about your behavior, wouldn't it? It would for me. <laughs> Don't yell at each other when we go outside. And he shows up in your neighborhood, and he walks over to your house, and he says to you, how you doing? I'm Jesus, and I just want you to know that I am full of grace and truth. This is exactly what Jesus has done for every single one of us and has done for all of humanity. He left heaven as everlasting God. He came to this earth, put on lowly flesh and blood like us, humbled himself as a servant, humbled himself to the point of dying on a cross. Why? Because he's full of grace and truth and he's moved in to your neighborhood. That's who he is. And that's who he was. Jar, or excuse me, Revelation 1, 8 gives us a, a clue. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am. You know that idea that was introduced to us, the, the I am, when, when Moses told or asked God, hey God, you want me to go to Egypt and you want me to be the leader of of delivering your people out of oppression. You, you, you're asking me to do that. And God's like, yeah. And he says, well, who should I tell them that sent me? Who should I tell them that sent me? 
And then God tells Moses, you tell Pharaoh, I am that I am has sent you. In other words, you tell Pharaoh that the almighty, eternal, everlasting God, sovereign over all, is the one that is sending you to deliver my people out of oppression. You tell them that. This is the first time that I am is is, is, is demonstrated or shown. In Jesus's earthly ministry, Jesus used this phrase, I am. On a couple different times, Jesus identified himself as deity in flesh on a couple different occasions. The first time that Jesus said, I am, he says, before Abraham was, and this is Jesus revealing that he is everlasting Lord. He says, before Abraham was, I am. And when, when Jesus said that, they started picking up rocks and were wanting to, to throw these rocks and kill Jesus because Jesus was declaring that he was God. On another occasion, when Jesus was about to be arrested after he was betrayed and he was about to be arrested, some guards, some temple guards show up in the garden where they were and they show up and they say, they ask the question, are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? And Jesus says, I am. And when Jesus said, I am, they all fell down on their backsides. You know why that happened? Because Jesus let out some of his power of being the great I am, the sovereign, eternal, everlasting Lord. And when he let out that power, they couldn't stay on their feet. This is Jesus. But Jesus, full of grace and Jesus, full of truth, also said some statements of how he is the great I am. He says that I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that wants to meet your needs. I'm the one that wants to show you grace and truth by meeting your needs in your life. You, you, need, you, you have a need. He says, Jesus, I'm the one that can meet it. He says, I am the light of the world. You need to know a direction. You need to know a way. You need to know where to go, what to do with your relationships, with your kids, with your marriage, with your finances, with your career. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'll light the way. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I will lead you to greener pastures. I will lead you to a better life. I will lead you to where you need to go. We are all, like the, the scripture says that we're all like sheep that have gone astray, each one to our own ways. But Jesus is saying, listen, I want to be your good shepherd. I want to lead you. I want to lead you to greener grass. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. When you're connected to the vine, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And when you're connected to me, you know what you'll bear? You'll bear fruit. And you know what those fruit are? Those fruit are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And I probably forgot one out of Galatians, but you know, you get the point. And Jesus also said, he says, when you're not connected to the vine, he says, apart from me, 
you can do nothing. You can do nothing. He says, I'm the true vine. Oh, there's a lot of vines out there that you can connect to, but those aren't the true vines. Those are false vines that won't give you the fruit so that you can have a life that is fulfilling and satisfying. I'm the true vine. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. Isn't this amazing? Jesus is going, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. You know what he meant? He said this, even if you die, you'll live. You'll live. You know why first, second, third century believers weren't afraid to die? They had no fear of death whatsoever. You know why? Because they put their faith and their trust in the resurrection and the life. That even if they died, they left a place that was full of trouble and full of tragedy. And they didn't, have to, they didn't even have to live until 70 or 80 years old. They just lived a life for the glory of God. And they knew they were going to a better place. Isn't this good news, everybody? This is the Jesus covenant. Come on, let's be that church. You put your faith in him. He's full. He's moved into your neighborhood. And he's full of grace. And he's full of truth. And he is the great I am. That's who he is. That's who he is. He's everlasting Lord. He's the incarnate deity. Revelation 1.8 says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, John is writing this down, or he eventually will. Right now, he's just getting a revelation. He's just getting a vision. He's just seeing something that is happening to him that is supernatural and crazy. So John's hearing I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. John's hearing this. And then look what happens. Look what John eventually writes down. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And after turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. It goes on. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet, and wrapped around the chest with a golden sash. Verse 14. His head and his hair were white like, like white wool or, or like snow, and, and his eyes were like a, a flame of fire goes on to say, his feet were like, bur were like burnished bronze when it, was, when it has been heated to a glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. He says, in his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like 
It was like the sun shining in its strength. And then it's verse 17. When I saw him, I felt, fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me. I mean, th- think about this. I mean, are you getting this imagery? I mean, even John is seeing this and he's hearing this and he's trying to describe it. He's like going, it's, I don't know, it's, it, was, it was like snow or I, his face shined. It was, I don't know how to describe it, but it, the only way I know how to describe it is his face was shining like the brightness of the sun. And he says, I saw him and I just fell at his feet like a dead man. I couldn't move. I was awestruck. I was was marveled. And then the very, don't miss this, the very right hand that he was holding seven stars. I don't know if you know this or not, but stars are massive. Stars are huge. Are you getting a picture of Jesus? Come on, anybody? He is, he was, he is to come. Him. You know why we worry and we get afraid and we lose hope and we get discouraged? Because I think oftentimes we forget that this is are Jesus. We think about, when we think about life and we think about troubles and tragedies of this life, we think, oh, God, Jesus isn't gonna do anything for me. We think about Jesus, seven pounds, seven ounce Jesus in a manger. That doesn't galvanize our faith. That doesn't give us courage if if all we're thinking about is seven pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. But let's see Jesus this way. Because this is who is to come. In the seven, in the, in the right hands holding the seven stars. I don't know if he put those seven stars back, but he placed his right hand, John says. He placed his right hand on me, saying, Listen to this. Come on, come on, come on. Do not be afraid of anything. Oh, I know. Your 70 years, your 80 years, if you're lucky to get trouble, tragedy. For soon, for quickly, it will be gone. And we'll disappear. But in that little dash of time that you have left, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the living one And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of hell. 
That's incredible. Come on, church. This is who Jesus is. He's the first. He's the last. He's the living one. He died, but behold, he's alive forever, and he's holding in his hands the keys of death. He's the bread of life. He's the true vine. He's the resurrection and the life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So who is to come? Jesus, he's the almighty. He's the almighty. He's the almighty. And when he comes again, this is when this will happen. This hasn't happened yet, but when he comes again, this is when this will happen. You know this verse. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us and the government government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. This is the Jesus to come. The government will be on his shoulders. It won't be on anyone else's shoulders. And this is oftentimes the thing that we, aren't, we don't like about this life right now. We don't trust whose shoulders the government is on, do we? But when Jesus comes again, Jesus is going, I got it. And it's going on my shoulders. And I will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government. And there will be no end of the increase of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. Come on. And how he will do that? He will do that with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the armies will accomplish this. John Wesley ended the second stanza this way. Pleased is man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. You know Emmanuel, right? What does that mean? God is with us. Who's with you? Oh, he's, he's everlasting Lord. He's with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're battling, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is, is overtaking your life, listen, you need to know this. Jesus, our Emmanuel, he is everlasting Lord. He's with you. Jesus, the one who is full of grace and truth, he's with you. He's your bread of life. He's your light of the world. He's your true vine. He's your resurrection. And he's your life.
He's with you. The Almighty, the Almighty, who is to come and who will put the government on his shoulder and who will rule and reign with justice and righteousness, he's with you right now. Don't be afraid. First, set, first, second, third century Christians weren't afraid. Why? Because they knew it. They knew it. He's everlasting. He's full of grace and truth. He's the Almighty. He's our Emmanuel. God with us. It's good news, everybody. Father, Our time is short. And oftentimes our days are trouble and tragedy. Trouble, tragedy. Unrighteousness and injustice. No grace and full of lies. But our hope is not in this world our hope is in you. Our hope is not in this kingdom. Our hope is in the kingdom to come where you're going to take all the nations and all the government of this world and you're going to put them into a government that is going to rest on your shoulders and is going to be a just and righteous government that is going to be full of grace and full of truth. Because you are the first and the last. You are the alpha and the omega. You are the beginning and you are the end. You are the king of kings and lord of lords. That's who you are. And Father, I just pray that we see you in that way. And I pray, pray, Lord, that we have a revelation just like John. And the vision that he God is the vision that we get of who you are, that you're a conquering king coming back again soon, soon to make everything that's wrong in this world, to make it right the way that it was intended to be. And God, you're giving us this opportunity right now in this time of Jesus' covenant to put our faith in your son, Jesus, to receive that fullness of grace, to receive that fullness of truth in a world full of lies and deceptions, that we can receive that into our lives and place our hope and our trust in you because you're giving us this little window that we have of time right now and to place it into your hands and to give our lives to you and to surrender our brokenness and surrender our shame and to lay it down at your feet. And you're a God that can hold seven stars in his right hand, but with the same right hand, you place it on our shoulders and say to us, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, that we leave this place today strengthened, encouraged, 
bold about what we know is true. And that whatever we face, whatever troubles or tragedies we face in this life, we're not going to be afraid. Because you're Emmanuel. You're with us. The God who is everlasting to everlasting. The God who is the bread of life. The light of the world. The true vine. The wonderful counselor. The prince of peace. The eternal father. The everlasting God. We're not going to be afraid. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody.